Hi, I'm Josh Shearer and I serve as the lead pastor here at Gawley Uniting Church. I wanted to personally thank you for joining us today. We exist as a church to see lives transformed with the good news of Jesus. Now, I hope this service inspires you. I hope it blesses you. I hope it builds your faith and I hope it gives you perspective that God is moving in your life. If there is anything that we can do to help you, don't be afraid to reach out on social media or email our office. Thanks for joining us again and let's get to the service. Well, I'll echo the, um, what Glennis and what Angus have shared this morning. Uh, happy Mother's Day to you all, to those of you who are mothers, those of you who would seek to be mothers, those of you that have had a motherly experience in some way in your life. We are grateful for each and every one of you. One of the things I love about being gathered in community is that each one of you can facilitate the role of caring and of motherly love to those that are present in our midst, particularly the young people that we saw go out. Each one of them grows, thrives, flourishes on the love on, that is received from those around them. And that's not just parents. That is parents and grandparents, even for some of you, let's be real, great-grandparents in the faith all contribute to supporting a journey of faith for them. And so I'm grateful for the love that, and, that you show, each and every one of you, uh, to the young people in our midst or to anyone that's the generations below you. So as we, uh, as we kick off this morning, would you join me in prayer? Loving and gracious God, we thank you. We thank you for the gift of your word. We pray that as we hear it proclaimed this morning, that you would speak to us, open our hearts to receive that which you have for us this morning. And loving God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing in your sight. And as we approach your word this morning, we pray together as you taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are all yours, now and forever we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, one of the most familiar experiences that I've got as a parent, but as I reflected on and spoke to Eloise, my wife, about motherhood over these last few weeks, she didn't realize it, but that's what I was trying to garner from her, some of her perspectives. One of the biggest phrases that resonates with her and perhaps with many mothers and parents around the place is this one. This is not how it was meant to go. Does that encapsulate your experience of parenting in any way? This is not how it was meant to go. So often we've got in our minds a sense of expectation about something. It might even be getting out of the house on time, or it might be getting, you know, getting to church with everyone dressed with, all their, with their shoes on, or it might be even getting, getting to work on time after you've dropped the kids off at school, or, or it might just be... Look, I don't know, just about anything, to be honest, when it comes to parenting and things like that. So often, frustrations come because it's just 
This is not how it's meant to go. Kids run in their own script. What is it that they say in, in theatre? Don't work with kids or animals. Because it's just not predictable. It's not going to go the way that you expect it to. And I think many of us can relate to that reality. If I were to be honest, this week for us has been a, this is not how it was meant to go. Phoebe was off at daycare and she brought some sort of bug home with her from the, another kid. Thanks very much for that. And so I've been sick all week. Uh, and Phoebe has been not sleeping well, up for a couple of hours during the middle of the night. And I've got to tell you, I woke up this morning, having been up about between three and sort of quarter to five this morning uh, with Phoebe, thinking, oh, this is not how it was meant to go. I just wish that I could be more rested to be able to proclaim the word to you this morning. But it is what it is. So often in our life, we have plans in our head of how things are meant to go. And it's not exclusively parenting. It can be all sorts of things. It can be life goals. We've got things planned out, and it doesn't work out the way that we expect it to. It could be us completing uni when we'd planned to, or job progression and promotions, things like that. It could be the retirement plans. It could be the holidays that we had planned once we are now retired. It could have been just catching up with family. Sometimes those things just don't go the way that, they, that we expect them to. And our passage today, the, the Apostle Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, has a moment just like this. A moment where after witnessing the resurrection, after seeing Jesus and, and, and eating food with him and then be, becoming an apostle who would then proclaim the good news of Jesus' resurrection to the region, to that area, he encounters a moment where things just don't go the way that he expected that they would. And so this morning we're looking at Peter's experience there, and I think we can relate to it in many ways. And we can relate to it as we bring our series that we've been preaching through over the last few weeks to a close. That series, if you haven't, if you haven't been joining us, has been, has, it was called, excuse me, Belong, Believe, and Behave. And we've been flipping the script on what many of us of our experiences of Christian faith have been like. So, so many of us, it was, you need to behave the right ways and believe the right things, and then you are welcome to belong to a faith community. But what we're suggesting is when we look at the life of Jesus, he did it the other way around. He said, I invite you to belong, and then you will develop belief. And from that belief, you will develop a way of behaving in the world. And that's what we have explored. In the first week, it was the, the cross. We heard at Easter, it's the greatest invitation to belong. It's the invitation to be part of a family, to be a part of an extraordinary and loving community of faith that is throughout time and space. And ultimately, it's an invitation to belong in relationship with God. And we discover that our faith is then strengthened in the furnace of doubts. And that we're invited to doubt in community as a safe place to belong. And then, then our faith is built on the firm foundations of peace rather than fear. Of a God that is not distant but is deeply present with us. And that we find strength in our faith through intergenerational community. We've talked about faith that matures when we willingly navigate the complexities of life. Emily shared a bit about the complexities of her journey of mental health and faith. One expression of the complexities that we experience in our life when we inevitably have, have to journey through the dark places of the world. 
Those can be places where our belief is in God is ultimately strengthened. And then last week we heard from Jeff that faith deepens as we seek to listen to the voice of the Spirit in our life when we are willing enough to be still to hear it. And so we get to this final week in our series, and it's the focus is behaving. Now, behaving can have us leaving a certain, all sorts of different ways. Because when we think of the term behaving, we think of rules, don't we? That's what we think of, because to behave is to adhere to a set of rules. And so our mind goes back to whatever the first set of rules that we were given that had significant consequences. So often we look to that. And so it might have been school. So when you think about behaving, it might be sitting in the, in the principal's office because you didn't behave. Or it might have been uh, getting something special because you did behave. Whatever that looks like, behavior and behaving was always connected to a sense of a set of rules that you either adhered to or you didn't. And when we, when we overlay that with faith, when we think of behaving in the right ways when it comes to our journey of faith, what are the 10 things that come to mind? It's a hint. The Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not... Ten of them. A whole bunch of them to do with our relationship with God and a whole bunch of them to do with our relationship with others. The Ten Commandments given to the Jewish nation as God sought to reforge a nation in His image out of the exile from Egypt. As, as the Exodus happened, the Ten Commandments were handed down, a way of being in the world. But some, and some of us in our experience of faith behaving has been that God is just some sort of cosmic killjoy, if we're honest. And that all we seem to, all, with, all that we try and do with our, our days is just help, or is just to try and live at least a C plus average on those Ten Commandments or on the sets of rules. And then from that, hopefully we, God will answer our prayers and our prayers won't bounce off the ceiling or whatever that looks like. Somehow we have behaving ingrained in what we think it means for us to have a meaningful journey of faith. But what I want to suggest to you this morning is that when it looks to behaving in the context of a journey of faith, I want to, I want to suggest to you that behaving is not actually about adhering to a set of rules that's handed down to us. That's actually not the heart of God for our behavior in our life. That might be a surprise to you. That might be great news to you. It was great news to me. The idea of behaving is actually about transformation. It's about, it's a transformation that happens within our life, within our hearts, that shifts our desires. It shifts our desires and our motivations and our hopes towards a life of fullness and freedom, which, as it so happens, consists of, is consistent with the life that the God of the universe told us was the best ways to live our life. So behaving I want to suggest to you this morning, if you take nothing else away, I want to suggest to you that to behave in the way of Jesus is not to adhere to a set of rules. It's to truly understand what Jesus has done for you. And from that place of love and peace and joy, you will be transformed to behave the ways that honor God in the world and that show love to others. So if you hear nothing else, please hear 
that. But how does that idea fit into the text that we've got this morning? That's my job, to preach the Bible. And so let's have a look at the context. So we're headed to Acts, Acts, um, starting in actually chapter 7 this morning, going right through to chapter 10. So James, you can leave that bit up there just for now, and because I want to give you a bit of pretext. It's important. A bit of context, a bit of pretext. So within the Scriptures, the, the book of Acts is the Acts of the Apostles. It's the stories and the things that happened as the, as the Apostles of Jesus, commissioned by Jesus, share the good news to the Mediterranean area. And so the Gospel is spreading across the Mediterranean after the murder of one of the Apostles called Stephen in Acts chapter 7. And the good news of Jesus, which was contained within Jewish communities, was starting to reach into other communities in this, in this moment in the text. But the problem was that the people that it was encountering and the people that were learning about Jesus and, and seeking to follow him weren't Jews. Or there were people that didn't fit into the Jewish ceremonial customs. We heard last week about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Now, one of the Jewish purity laws tells us that if you, if you were a eunuch, as in if you had been castrated as a man, then you were not permitted into a place of worship. And so the, the disciples or the apostles start encountering these different places where this Ethiopian eunuch comes to faith, and they're trying to figure out, how does this fit together? We've got this construct of what behaving the right ways in church or in, 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 the, in the synagogues and in, in the temple look like. And then we've got all these other people coming to faith, yet they don't fit into this framework. And so what do we do with that? And one of the biggest points of contention for the early church in this moment in time for us was Jews and Gentiles worshipping together. Those ceremonial laws so often didn't, weren't things that the Gentiles had ascribed to. And if you're not familiar with what a Gentile is, a Gentile is anyone that isn't a Jew. Anyone that doesn't, isn't, isn't part of the Jewish nation is a Gentile. So that's you and me. We are Gentiles. In the, in. And one of the biggest issues that we encounter in Acts is around ceremonial circumcision. It was important for Jewish men to be circumcised. And now for some reason, for some reason, I can't figure out why, the Gentile men that were coming to faith in Jesus well, had an issue with being circumcised. I don't understand why that would be. Can you think why? I don't know why that would be. For some reason, that was a point of contention. And so we've got this wrestling issue of the Jewish, Jewish people trying to impose an idea of how things are meant to be going onto a whole new worldview of people that are discovering the good news of the gospel and not really that interested in jumping into those ceremonial purity laws. And in the middle of Acts chapter 9, the church is flourishing after Paul's conversion, and we rejoin with Peter as his ministry continues. He's doing stories of healing. He's doing, he actually brought a woman named Tabitha back to life. You can read about that in Acts chapter 9. And then we meet a Roman centurion, a military officer called Cornelius. In Acts chapter 10. He, he was in Caesarea, posted to Caesarea with the Roman capital of the Judean province. It's actually where Pilate, the governor, would have resided. It wasn't Pilate at this time, he'd moved on. But where, that's actually where Pontius Pilate would have normally been residing. He only went to Jerusalem for the, for the festivals. 
And so this is where he normally would have spent his time. And this centurion called Cornelius was respected by his peers. He was a man of generosity and integrity, as scriptures tell us. And he believed in God. But he was a Gentile, a Gentile of Gentiles. And so he wasn't permitted to attend worship. But, and so one morning, Cornelius has a vision from God. And the vision is to call this man called Peter, who's staying at the house of Simon the Tanner, which is an important detail. He's to, to invite him from Joppa, about 50 kilometers south, to call him up there and hear what Peter has to say. Cornelius hasn't heard the gospel yet. At that same moment, Peter's up on a roof in Joppa having lunch. Actually waiting for his lunch. And he has a vision. And a sheet from heaven comes down and on it is all sorts of animals which he as a Jew was not permitted to eat. Wasn't allowed to. It's part of the ceremonial laws. And a voice from heaven, we understand to be God, says, Peter, you're hungry. Eat, kill something from this table and eat it. And Peter's response is, no, I can't do that. God, that's inconsistent. I can't do what you've asked me to do. It doesn't fit with the framework. It's not how things were meant to be. I'm not going to do that. And the voice responds to him. He says, how dare you declare unclean something which I have declared clean. And back and forth, Peter and God have this argument. And it says it happens three times. Three times God tries to break Peter's framework of how things were supposed to go. And three times Peter refuses. And then the sheet is taken up to heaven and his vision finishes. And as his vision finishes, the three messages arrive from Cornelius' household to say, the centurion has come and called you. He summoned you to go with him. Now, Peter would be nervous because you don't get summoned by a Roman, Roman officer for no, good, for no reason. And a Jewish person doesn't get summoned for a good reason. And so he would have been nervous. But Peter receives a vision and says, no, no, it's safe. Go with these men. And so he does. And he arrives at Cornelius' house. And Cornelius and he have a conversation. And they confirm that they both had visions of one another. That they, this was a divine encounter. And in that moment, Cornelius says, well... God's asked me to listen to you, so what have you got to tell me? And here we are. Acts chapter 10. Do you feel caught up now? Peter began to speak. And he says, now realize how true it, now I realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts every nation, from every nation, the ones who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel? These guys were, were God-fearers. They knew the messages. And they'd heard the news of the good news that was proclaimed about, the peace, about peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. And you know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached about the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And how, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil or the opposer of God, because God was with him. You know all about it. You've heard all of this. You couldn't have existed in the province of Judea and not heard about Jesus of Nazareth. 
He goes on to say, we are those witnesses that have seen everything that he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. This is a Jewish thing happened through Jewish people. But they killed him, the Jews. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen to us. He wasn't seen by everybody, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen. Seen by us, the apostles who ate and drank with him. And after he rose, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. I preached about that a couple of weeks ago. And he has commanded us, commissioned us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed to judge the living and the dead. All the, all the prophets testify about, testify about him. And everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins in his name. This is the good news. This is the gaps Peter was filling in to the Gentile understanding. To these guys who already understood a bit of God, the Old Testament understanding of God as we read it. They knew that. And he's starting to fill in the gaps of how Jesus fits into the whole equation. And in the middle of Peter's sermon, verse 44... While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit comes upon all who are listening to his message. The whole of Cornelius' household and anyone else that had gathered to listen to it, the Holy Spirit comes upon them. We can presume it was like we have read it in Acts chapter 2, like tongues of fire coming to rest upon them. Everyone who was listening, all the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished at the gift of the Holy Spirit that had been poured out even on the Gentiles. So even these Gentiles who didn't have any of the ceremonial stuff in place, they weren't actually permitted to worship in the, rites, in, in, in the, in the temple or in the synagogues. They were unclean in all sorts of ways. They, they weren't doing the right stuff had just been anointed with the Holy Spirit. And they knew it because they heard them declaring the truth of God in tongues that were not their own and praising God. An anointing comes. So everyone's confused. And Peter says, surely, surely then, no one can stand in the way of these people being baptized with water. Peter's almost like, I don't understand how this fits together. This doesn't make any sense. Because I know how this was meant to go. Of all the places we've proclaimed this, Peter still had an understanding that you had to adhere to all of the Jewish laws when following Jesus. That was his understanding of the world still at this point. He says, this doesn't make any sense. They're not doing any of the stuff that we were told we had to do. Yet the Holy Spirit has still come upon them. And he has a a moment where he realizes and he says, surely, surely then no one can stand in the way of these people being baptized with water. They've received the Holy Spirit the same as us. So he ordered that they be baptized. That was his apostolic authority. He said, they can be baptized. They don't have to do all the other stuff. They can just be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then... 
They asked Peter to stay with them for a few days and he celebrated in fellowship with them. He stayed in the house, in, the, in a Gentile Roman officer's house for a few days. Not meant to do that as a, as a Jewish man. So what's happening here? What's happening? What's going on? Well, as in Peter's mind, he's got his apostolic mission and he's sharing and proclaiming the gospel everywhere that, he is, that the Spirit is leading him to go. And he finds himself in a Gentile household somewhere he didn't plan to be, called by the Spirit, but he's still got this understanding of how it's meant to go that people would come to faith in Jesus, that there would be a whole bunch of ways that they're meant to behave. He's got in his mind set out how this progression is meant to fit together and then the Spirit interrupts him literally interrupts him. And reframes how this all fits together. A Pentecost moment where God pours out His Spirit. And surely no one can stand in the way of their baptism. Why? Not because he'd figured out how it all fits together, but because the Spirit had broken through into their life. Not because they'd behaved the right way were they permitted to be baptized, but instead because the Spirit had broken through, become manifest, is the fancy Bible term for it, in their life was what said that they could be baptized, not that they behaved the right ways. And friends, I've got to tell you, that's what this is all about. If we think about what it means to behave as followers of Jesus, it's not about living the right ways, adhering to the set of rules in the same way that Peter had the concept that they had to live by a set of rules to be accepted by God, to be anointed by God with the Holy Spirit and to therefore be commissioned into the world. That was Peter's framework. But instead, I want to suggest to you that this morning, that our commissioning into the world, our baptism, our belief, our behavior isn't about being adhering to a set of rules. It's about the Spirit renewing our life, becoming manifest, doing something, interrupting us, and bringing fruit and hope and life. This is what transformation is all about. This is actually our heart as a church, that we have been called to see lives transformed with the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what this looks like. It's not about living the right ways. It's about seeing the Spirit interrupt our expectations and move in someone's life and say, that's where it's at. Come and experience all that God has for you. Jeremiah 31 uh, verse 33 prophesied this to be true. He said, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. He says, I will put my law within them. It will no longer be a law of stones. It will be a law written on human hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. God interrupted the system. That was his plan all along, was to interrupt the system 
so that we might experience the good news of Jesus, not from a place of fear or a place of obedience, but instead from a place of freedom and peace that leads to living the way of God in the world. Not because we have to, but because we want to. That's what transformation looks like. And, and friends, for some of you, I've got to be honest, for some of us, the Spirit needs to interrupt our systems. For some of us this morning, our faith only runs as deep. I'm going to be honest with you. For some of you, your faith only runs as deep as the systems you've put in place around your faith. Some of us, our systems are connected to here, to attending church on a Sunday. Some of us, our systems are connected to a specific prayer or a specific time of the week or a specific understanding of the world or whatever that looks like. And I believe that for some of us this morning, the Spirit needs to interrupt the systems of our life to bring the transformation that God has been wanting to do in your life for years, yet has been unable to do so. Because we've had a Peter view of the world when Jesus wants to bring a spirit renewal like he did that day in Cornelius' house. God wants no longer to see your heart written with laws of stone. Instead, he wants to see your heart written with laws of flesh. Laws written on the flesh of your hearts. So I want to ask you the question, what if God was to interrupt your systems today? What, is there a system that needs to be interrupted? For some of you, it's the system of thought that tells you you're not good enough. That there's something in your life that you just can't measure up and, and you can't make it work. And maybe even for some mothers or grandmothers or great-grandmothers, there's a system of thought there that says you're not good enough. You haven't done well enough. You've missed something. You've failed. Maybe a word of truth for you this morning. Because your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren aren't sitting here with you. You feel like you've failed. I believe the Spirit wants to interrupt that system of thought in your mind and tell you that you are worthy. You are good enough. You are everything that you need to be because God says that you are. And that doesn't just apply to parents and, and mothers. That applies to everyone, wherever you are at. I believe God wants to bring an, an interruption to your systems of thought, of your thoughts of how this was meant to work out and bring a sense of renewal that you didn't think was possible. I believe God wants to interrupt you with a word of love. And for some of you, that system of thought is a system that believes there is no hope in the world. And I've got to tell you this morning, there is hope. And that hope is found in Jesus and Jesus alone. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What does that tell us? That tells us that we can look everywhere in the world for hope for meaning, for purpose, for significance, and we will find it nowhere but in Jesus the Christ. And so some of us, the system that, you need to inter that the Spirit wants to interrupt in your life is one that tells you there is no hope. 
Because God wants to tell you there is. And that hope is found in Jesus Christ. That you can call on him and be saved. That you can call on him and find freedom from a life plagued by sin and and guilt and fear and shame. Whatever it is that you brought with you, you can lay those things at the foot of the cross and experience a life of fullness through Jesus the Christ. So behaving. Behaving. Behaving is not about a set of rules. Behaving in Jesus' mind has never been about a set of rules. Behaving is about an internal transformation. It's about seeing the world through God's eyes. Behaving is about realizing God's hope for you. A hope that isn't that we would merely do as he asks, but that we would truly understand how he thinks, how he sees the world. I don't know about you, but for me as a parent, I'm sure I've shared this before, I don't just want my daughters to not touch the oven and do as I ask, although that's helpful. I want them to understand the oven is hot and realize that they shouldn't touch it because it's not good for them. That's where God wants to bring us. Not to a place of just doing as, we, as He asks, but instead understanding how He thinks so that we can be transformed to see the world the way God sees it, to love people the way God loves them, to love our own life the way that God loves us. So my prayer for you this morning, as we finish this series, as we, as we discover what it means to behave in the ways of Jesus in the world, my prayer is that you would be released from the shackles of laws written in stone. And instead, you would be captivated, gripped by an expression of love that's written on your heart. A love that brings freedom. A love that brings transformation in your life to know and love the things of God in the world. And so I can simply say, go and do that, have fun. And, but I want to give you some tools. And we know what those tools are, ways to make this possible, ways to bring transformation. They're called spiritual disciplines. We don't like them because they have the word discipline in them. But what we know through generations, millennia, is that things like reading the Bible, things like prayer, things like getting in Christian community and studying the Bible, things like serving others so life is about others, not about yourself, things like giving God some of what He's entrusted to you. Fasting. I struggle with that one because I like food a fair bit. Solitude, getting alone with God, listening, being in nature. All of those things are about God transforming our heart, softening it, to understand his character. All of those things are things that we can do. So I encourage you, if, you've, if, there's one, if there's something on that list you want to explore, maybe my challenge for you this week is to explore that and see how God transforms your heart from a heart of laws to a heart of love.
So that's the good news. That all of that stuff, we know that. That's not new information. But I've got some bad news to that side too. Do you know what that is? Is that the Spirit might interrupt you. That we know how it works. We might have our systems, but like Peter, the Spirit might choose to interrupt us somewhere else and do what the Spirit, only the Spirit can do and bring a transformation you didn't see coming, you perhaps didn't even want. But it's a place that the Spirit chooses to meet you. Why? Because, as Jesus said it, He said, the Spirit goes where it wants. The Spirit does what it wants. Why? Because the Spirit is the Spirit of the sovereign living God, greater than anything else this world will ever know. So I invite you this morning, take a step. Take a step away from law towards love and discover a life of fullness that God has in store for you, a life grounded in the name and the hope and the truth of Jesus Christ this week. Would you pray with me? Loving God, we praise you and thank you for your word. We thank you for the way that it speaks into our lives. And and Lord, there's so much about this that is challenging because it doesn't fit into the frameworks of our life that we are comfortable with. Lord, me above all, I love systems. I like things ordered. And Lord, you are a God of order as well, but you're also a a God of sovereign power. And so, Lord, should you choose to interrupt us, to do a work in our life, Lord, help us to be aware of your spirit moving. Help us to be open to its power, its sovereign authority in our life. And Lord, for those of us that have been striving for the law, Lord, would you show us what a life of love looks like? Would you prompt us this week to draw closer to you so that, it's, that our journey of faith is no longer about adhering to a set of rules out of fear, but instead it's about experiencing a life of love and peace and joy. That's what you call us to. So may you transform us today and tomorrow and in the weeks to come to be more like Jesus as we seek to behave in the ways you call us to as your followers. So loving God, would you give us the wisdom to receive all that you have for us this morning and then the courage to take a step. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, thanks once again for joining us. If this service has been a blessing to you, why not share it with someone you know, or better yet, post it on your social feed because you never know how God might use what you share to bless someone you didn't even know needed it. Special thank you if you contribute towards making this ministry possible. We are so grateful. If you'd like to help Head to gaulleyuniting.org.au and follow the links to begin giving. God bless you and we'll see you next time.